Hey, thanks for clicking on the link I've sent through to you. So you have now been infected with this uh, nonsense. Um, this is the first in hopefully what will become a series of podcasts, which is me basically talking to you guys who received the newsletter and learning from you as opposed to you guys having to read my ramblings of nonsense on a fortnightly basis through the newsletter, for which I thank you for reading and putting up with. Um, I hope you enjoy it and... Um, and get at least get something from it and I thank you for giving me feedback on the, what I what I ramble in that newsletter and, and challenging me and making me think in a lot of different ways and I hope it, it piques your interest in certain things so this uh, podcast is called Back to Back Nonsense the name of which shall become clear over the next few months I hope I apologise in advance for my accent and I apologise in advance for um, some of the language that might dot through this and other future episodes and I apologise for the sound quality um, I'm using a Chrome based uh, podcast recording app called Cast which is pretty good I'm still trying to get my head around how it works um, I don't think it's it's too bad but uh, I hope you can put up with it for, for this podcast and, and, and a few more in the future as I start to refine and understand it a bit better so the first episode is with a good friend of mine a dear friend of mine actually called James Roberts James is currently the brand director for Mr Lee's Pure Foods. He is a very, very dear friend. He is an absolutely fantastic human being who I have a lot of respect and love for. And um, through the course of this, the next half an hour, I hope you'll, you'll learn a little bit more about him and learn a little bit more about his influences and his, his thoughts on brand design and, and digital. I hope you enjoy it and I'll come back to you at the end with a with a quick summary of what we've uh, what we've discussed. Right, we are on. I think yes. Right. So I really didn't know if we were on or not. Then. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, <coughs> who are you? <laughs> and what do you do? And what are you doing on this call? You called me, Dave. I'm James. <laughs> James Roberts. I work for. Um, I currently work for Mr. Lee's Pure Foods. And I am on here just to just to chat around a few things with you that you've um, you've kindly asked me to uh, to speak around. Well, I haven't bribed you. Yeah. No, you haven't. No. Well, you did say you buy me lunch, but you know. I did. <laughs> yeah, right. I will. I will buy you lunch as long as this goes well, and neither of us embarrass ourselves too much. Right? Not too much chance of that. Okay. So. I got you under here under very true pretense, uh, pretenses, which is um, to kind of look at some of the stuff that I rabbit on about in the newsletter every week, um, every fortnight. So um, I thought of you because a you're well, you're, like everyone in the newsletter, you're a friend, and b because um, we've got quite a lot in common. I think um, we do, uh, though, but yeah. but we come at things from quite different angles. So so one of the things that I first started getting interested in myself when I met you probably about five or six years ago, was um, I was very dismissive of brand <laughs> and very dismissive of um, the impact that it had on people mm. and the kind of thought that went into it. And, of course, that's, that's a reasonably large part of what you've done and what you do. Mm. So, so kind of just thinking about when you were younger, when you first started getting into the creative world, what, what kind of brands inspired you or what got you interested and, and kind of looking forward or looking to now what brands and messaging or ideas do you really get really get you going at the moment okay um <clears throat> i think when i um i didn't really want to work in branding i think i just remember being younger 
and being kind of a little bit geekily obsessed with drawing and I, I quite like drawing I quite like copying logos which is weird um, so I can remember looking at the sort of the script font of coca-cola or um, or something like that when I was little and just trying to replicate it over and over and over again um, sports logos as well I was obsessed with sports when I was younger um, all of my clothes had to be you know Nike Adidas Puma and I would try and draw these these logos <laughs> I'm probably on the, on the scale somewhere um, but I just enjoyed enjoyed drawing logos and trying to make it real and I didn't know that was branding at the time um, and it's, it's probably only now that I can I can relate the path between what I was doing when I was little and, and just you know tracing drawing whatever to now um, obviously branding is far bigger than a logo but that that's probably where it all started out um, so yeah, I, I didn't really know it was design at the time. I just it was patterns, it was making shapes, it was uh, I suppose an identity that I could, you know, because I like sports, I could make this identity with these brands. And then pre-internet and pre-everything, it was basically copying a logo off your tracksuit or something like that. <laughs> off your tracksuit, <laughs> shell suit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to say, actually, Dan, as a Gala kind of guy, not a Nike or an Adidas or anything I'm like that. Picking myself up, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> you're doing a good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's it's funny. I used to do that. Now you, now you said it. I used to do that. I used to, I used to copy logos off of magazines because there was no internet off of magazines and mm. and and the TV and the papers. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's weird. But you and you, but you took that further, right? Than me, I just got. Bored and fed up, but but you took that further, obviously. Uh, yeah, I think, as I said, I can only sort of see the progression, <clears throat> sort of from then to here. Looking back now, I didn't I didn't know it at the time. Um, so yeah, what I enjoy to do now is 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 the whole branding thing. So it's bigger than a logo. It's uh, you know it's the purpose and and, 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 the, and the whole world and stuff like that. <clears throat> but that's something I came to. So yeah, I went. Went back to university after I realised what I wanted to do. Um, did a little bit of training and then got a few jobs and then kind of went from there. And I think I still didn't know that I wanted to do branding. I just wanted to do um, good design. I wanted to, to, to create identities, I suppose. Um, <clears throat> branding is such a big word and such a big... Um, a big world is it's quite hard to explain quite succinctly what it is um, you can explain what it is but you can you know you're gonna waffle on for a while about what it is aren't you um, so it was only then really I, I just wanted to make nice design I wanted to make succinct communications really so it went from copying a, a Puma logo on my tracksuit to <clears throat> Starting to create an identities for I think the first sort of stuff that I did was for my dad's business. So then you're looking at you know um, color schemes that would represent that business, the logo, the, all the communications, tone of voice, typeface, etc., etc. Yeah, I think that's it. So that's that's interesting because what I've well, you know I'm not not a brand guy in any way, shape, or form, but some of the most creative minds I've seen and I've come across in however many years I've been stumbling around the world um, have all come from a creative core and, and nowadays I see some people involved with brands where they're kind of robots do you know what I mean there's no artistic center to them it's just no. okay we've got to get our brand out in front of 
a particular audience via a particular platform, therefore we need to say this. There's no heart at the centre of the brand. On, on, on that, I know we, we like quite similar brands um, and quite similar kind of you know, with, with an ethical emphasis. What, 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 if you were to pick out a brand or two that you look at now and you think, oh, you know what, that, that, that's the kind, of, the kind of company that, that has done a very good job on understanding who they are and have been able to articulate in the right way to their right audience. Who would you, who would you kind of point towards now? There's, I mean, there's the obvious ones. Patagonia, obviously, that's the kind of the default answer when it comes to who does branding and who, who you know, who lives their values and who has their true purpose. And I saw a talk from one of the founders, well, Digital Talk, I wasn't actually present, and the money that they put back into the environment, I can't remember what it was, stupid amount, 75 million a year or something like that. And he just said, well, if we don't do it, no one's going to do it. So it's all—it's just about having purpose, and every other brand is all about oh, buy us, buy us, buy us. Why? Yeah. Why do I? Why do I want to choose you? And Patagonia going buy us because what we're going to do is not only we're going to make fucking great clothing. So whether you like the logo, whether you like their sure. shirts, jackets, whatever, whether you like it or not, what we're going to do is going to take some of your money and we're going to put that back into the planet, and we're going to put yeah. that back into the environment and try, try not to carry on fucking it up basically so that's that's real integrity and purpose for brand so patagonia great <clears throat> um tom's shoes as well um, yeah you know they do their one for one thing and then i was yeah. hearing the other day it's gone beyond that so they've kind of they've got these sort of villages or, or, or areas in in india where they don't so well, they've got to the point where you know they're saturated with shoes now we've done the one for one <laughs> and so they've taken another stage further so the guy went out there and he, he met with this indian lady and um I'm, I'm probably bastardizing the story somewhat here but this is what i remember from it you're in brown that's what you did right blind in both eyes and he said are you happy and she said yes i'm really happy and he was like that got really got him thinking he's like christ she's happy she, she can't see you know mm. how can i make her happier so he thought okay well let's let's use our money use our wealth and now they're starting to go into communities in india and, and, and cure old people young people of blindness and, and i just think you know, these guys sell shoes. I think Tom's yeah. sells shoes. They sell yeah, shoes. Yeah, bits, yeah. And now there's people in in India and Africa who also have shoes as a result of them selling shoes. And now there's people who uh, couldn't see who can see because some guy decided to make shoes. It's like buy my shoes, buy my shoes. But no, buy his fucking shoe. I haven't got any Tom's actually. Oh yeah, I've got a few. Hey, it's, it's, I do like them. I just I haven't bought them. I don't know why. So maybe the brand isn't that strong. There you go. Yeah. Well, no, I agree. I, I, I do have a I do have a loyalty to brands. It's, you know, I, I don't know. It's just me, but I know a lot of people who get the newsletter and listen to stuff. They're, they're very similar, and and there is a, there is a loyalty. You know, I'm I'm loyal. The first, if I want to get some shoes or I want to get some stuff for the summer I go there I, I yeah. get it so it's, it's really interesting those two Pat, Pat, Patagonia and Tom's yeah they come up they come up time and time again so so we talk about brands so how you know do you think that that some of the some of this work that you've done in brand your interest in brand has has driven you to experience different because I know you're, you're, you're pretty well travelled has it did it inspire you to do cultural uh, kind of investigations for want of a better word or was it the other way 
Was it the other way around? Yeah, culture, uh, yeah, that sounds wrong on so many <laughs> levels. I didn't mean anything untoward there. Um, do you mean do yeah, you like so, going so, on holiday? No, no, no. <laughs> well, yeah, I know you like going on holiday. But do you know what I mean? Because I know you like a particular part of Spain, as I yes. do. So, so how, how big an influence has Catalonia, do you think, had on, on your profession and vice versa? Um, yeah, well, it's been massive on me. I, I was lucky. I went to live in Barcelona when I was 21 because I didn't have a lot going on in my life then. And then I met this, I met this girl and I thought, well, that's far more interesting. I was studying to be a chef. So I guess like, I, I create now and I was creating then. I was just used to um, burn it more than I do <laughs> so, um, so yeah I was starting to be a chef and I met this girl and we went went to live in Barcelona when I was 21 years old and that was the eye-opener for me um, and I was you know from from the new forest and I was kind of in this small little world but then you go to Barcelona which is basically the home of you know Picasso, Dali and, and you know you name it they've been there so yeah that was a huge influence on me I was suddenly able to see you know, stunning architecture, museums, world-class museums, right on your doorstep, and and a completely different way of life, um, which has affected me and had an effect on me for the rest of my life. There's a huge design scene out there anyway, so yeah. even then I probably wasn't aware of it. All these inputs going in, and you don't really know. There's there's the obvious ones. Oh look, you know. There's gallery buildings or sure. a gallery or something like that. I wasn't aware that it was going in at the time, but it was. All my senses were on like, overload. And then you start to drip into the design scene out there. And I, I knew a few designers out there, freelance designers. Um, and I think yeah, the, the, the city and the culture has, um, yeah, has defined my life ever since, I think. See, that's really interesting because, and that's one thing I admire in creatives, hugely because I think I'm doing a load of work at the moment that boring anyone about um, how I think creativity is getting lost in you know in, in the digital industry we're relying too much on data and we're not we're not we're not we're looking back too much at yes. what people have done not forward at what they could do in, in the creative sense not necessarily in the tech sense but when I when I the first time I went to Barcelona I, and and actually growing up I, I just didn't have that eyes those eyes I couldn't see creative creativity. I couldn't see inspiration. Um, I suppose my it came from books for me, you know, yeah. reading. Um, yeah. But it is so you really, as you, you just found as you were growing up, you just turned around and you could see you could see beauty or creativity in anything. It's a it's such a creative place anyway. It's very sort of bohemian. Um, it's not really anywhere quite like it. Um, well, Buenos Aires I found quite similar, but it's yeah, it's very unique. It's just a, such a unique place anyway. I didn't really know it was all going in at the time, but um, it's just yeah, information overload, um, and you can't help but get caught up in it. So I think because I was there on my own as well. If I'd been sure. out there with mates, I'd have just gone on the lash probably. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you're out on your own. So what are you going to do? You're not going to sit in your flat all day, are you? You're going to go out and look at stuff and, you know, pick at things and what's that over there. And that's natural. Being inquisitive of stuff is, is always good for anyone. Um, and if you, I don't think you can be a creative in any sense if you haven't got that. that and do you think... Yeah. So, do you think that um, 
what you learn or what you've what you feel in Barcelona is um, has uh, kind of feeds its way into your your work in terms of some of the creative stuff you've done in the past and what you're up to to now or do you find that when you're I was speaking to someone today about actually when you're doing a job you you sometimes the the creative inspiration gets somewhat blunted by the need to be doing stuff yeah yeah I think it, it probably is in my work now um, sure you are you are your experiences on you so I think it probably is in my work now um, I think what it is for me is constantly even when I go back there now it's still um, a huge you know I can just hoover things up out there so if I look at my photo after we've been on yet another holiday to Barcelona to visit the Indoors, um, it's just basically street signs and I don't know there'll be a nice bit of typography on a doorway somewhere and the inspiration I get from there is probably coming out in some of the work that I do I'm just probably not that aware of it I'm not that smart Dave <laughs> it just goes in and comes out <laughs> it's like coffee. no no it's not like Homer Simpson <laughs> one of the guys one of the guys I, was, I can't remember who he was working with the other day if they're listening to this they'll probably remind me it's like Homer Simpson gets information going into one ear but the, the problem is Another bit of information that he's been storing in his brain gets pushed out the other way. There's only so, room so for so much. One, yeah. one in, one out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 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 yeah. I, as I'm getting older, I'm finding inspiration in more, more cultural things as opposed to football, cricket, and and music. Um, and actually, more out of music now. Definitely, that's taken over more part of my life than than I think sport. But, yeah. but I know Barcelona particularly has a bit of a we're going to have to talk about sport, about your 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 influences in sport, and and how that's kind of had a impact on who you are, what you do. And I know oh, through gritted teeth, I know that there was a particular thing that happened in Barcelona quite a few years ago now. Right. That, that what was that for one of, for one of your for one of your beloved team, your beloved team? That what was that? Can't remember. I'm not saying it. Oh, was that when? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Well, I hope you should, because uh, most of your... your I just wanted your, to get you um, to say it. I'm not saying it. Why would I say that? <laughs> let's, let's stop um, rambling. So how, how big an impact did has, has do you think, football, and particularly Manchester United, they have said it, ha, ha, had an impact on your life and the way you... The way you go about work, your work, and and what you know, what gets you excited and, and engaged and angry, and you know all that angry now I would expect angry, but. yeah, furious, <laughs> mate, furious. Um, I think actually, if I I think looking back now, football's probably had a detrimental effect to me because it's it's a bloody illness supporting a football team, isn't it? Sure. Because you have to go through. I mean, don't get me wrong, we had twenty odd years of joy, but. <clears throat> My heart isn't bleeding. I don't think anybody who's listening to this who is not a Manchester United fan is going to have... You're not going after the sympathy vote, right? Once you've won that many Premier League titles, no, I'm, not, I'm not going there. I'm not going. The hate spirit. Um, I can feel people listening to this going... Everyone's just, everyone's just gone, fuck this, Dave, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's detrimental. I spend way too much of my time. Sport in general, love tennis... Mm. You and I both fairly be Rafa Nadal fans as well, I know. Mm. Um, yeah, it takes up too much of my time, to be honest, Dave. So I don't. I, I, maybe it's um, 
the yin to the yang for the creativity. So if I'm not um, trying to create something, yeah, most of my downtime is spent um, watching United, or used to be watching United, or watching some tennis. I mean, it's, it's downtime, but it's the emotion in it, isn't it? That's what sport yeah. is. Sport's emotion. Um, and that's what's so good about it. And that's why, so going back to the, the branding thing on that, maybe it's also you know what, what Nike have done in their stuff as well. It's so emotional, whereas Adidas is a little bit bland, maybe. Germanic, maybe. I mean, um, yeah, that Copernic. Thank you. That Copernic, you could look at that, that you know, Nike making mm. him the centre of a new campaign. You could, you could take that. Yeah, it's great. You could take it two ways, right? Everyone knows that there's a commercial edge to it, right? And everyone yeah. knows that they're looking to make money out of it. But they, Nike also knew that they would lose a whole lot of custom. But they took a, probably took a financial gamble to go, okay, well, what we lose, we'll gain in social awareness yeah. a lot a bit more loyalty they can I mean, afford that, that, to take the hit really can't they if you if you're the size of nike and you can't afford to take a risk like that then i don't know i'm sure there would have been a few bean counters who, who were a bit anxious but i mean i i going back to brands as well that are doing good things i yeah. think nike um I've, i told you about the book shoe dog book um, yes yes yeah. it's just a great book and what they've done for the world of sport as well um you know, Adidas were they had Adidas had thirty years on Nike. Adidas yeah. could have done everything that Nike did, and Nike just stormed up behind them and went, "You know what? We're going to do it. We're going to do it better." Yeah. Um, there's, there's. I'm not giving any of the book away, but there's a chapter in, or not a chapter, just a paragraph really, saying that, you know, that where the sole of the shoe meets the the upper of the shoe, it used to be made in a kind of carcinogenic way, and so Nike formulated this new way of getting the shoe to stick to the sole with zero carcinogens and they said you know any of these companies could have done that but they did it um sure and what did they do afterwards did they monetize it did they commercialize it no they called up adidas they called up puma they called up all these other companies and said this is how you do it we'll send some we'll send people around and now everybody does it the same way and that's like that goes back to that integrity and that purpose thing nike weren't saying let's try and make money out of this they were trying to say let's try and stop people dying making footwear for Christ's sake and do some good for humanity so another brand I admire is them they probably don't get the kudos they deserve actually which is why I recommended that book because that is such a good read that book that's right that's um, the Shoe Dog by Phil Knight Phil Knight Phil Knight yeah. 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 yeah that's right it, it's interesting isn't it they made a they made a <clears throat> they made a conscious decision to at least in some ways, be be ethical and ethically led. Now, you mm. could argue whether they've maintained that path um, without the odd uh, meander away from it. But yeah. but they are beginning to. Um, <laughs> this gets us on. You know, they're beginning to take the centre ground in terms of um, of what's right and what's wrong. And there is another argument, and it's for another day. Around we're beginning to see corporate organisations. For better, hopefully in Nike's case, in Patagonia's case, in Tom's case, um, and worse, in Google's case and Facebook's mm. case, um, yeah. become more powerful in, 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 in under the radar, which they've always been, but more powerful in much more obvious ways than governments, than 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 military, than yeah. you know, you know, people have listened more to what Nike to the new spokesman or the new kind of centre of a campaign for Nike than they do to uh, President Macron of France. And I think yeah. that 
it's it's changing the dynamic. I won't I won't I won't ramble on about that because I, I don't want to ramble on too much because people will switch off in there. In, in, in a little bit of politics. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of politics. That's, see, that's one for certain people of a certain age listening certain to Certain age. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's really interesting around Nike and around sport. For me, I spent, I, do I regret it? I think maybe to an extent I do. I don't, I don't regret spending tens of thousands of pounds watching my team around the country and around Europe because my friends from then, you know the the, the best some of the, some of the greatest friends I've got and um, times we had were fantastic. But from an intellectual point of view, culturally, I think I missed out on a lot between yeah. the ages of six sixteen and probably uh, yeah for for the early stages of you know I got married when I was twenty five, but for the early stages of being with my wife, it was just football, work, football, work, football, and it was that balance. Yeah. It was a, it was a stress relief. But I do I do kind of think yeah you know I'm playing catch up now. So um, yeah, I'm doing the same. Like, I think that's that's life though, isn't it? And I think um, I, I don't regret it either because the, the because sport is emotion. The highs that you feel from watching that, whatever your sport is, whether your team or the guy that you're watching wins, you, you, I can't sit down and watch a tennis match and not take a side of someone. I can't be like, oh, I don't mind who wins. I always want someone to win. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter who, but I want someone to win. And that emotion of watching them to win, that high that you get from that. Is so fulfilling. So, yeah, going back to that famous night in Barcelona, um, the emotion of being being there for that, I was like in the stadium. You can't top that. I mean, be, no. being a United fan, watching your team complete the treble, and beating oh, yeah. you know. and beating the Germans in the last minute. I mean, it doesn't get any better. Okay. So, well, that last bit's fair enough. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. You see. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I feel the same. You know, not to that level. Yeah, you never know. But um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that, 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 <laughs> well, we'll see. But that feeling of um, that feeling of complete and uh, it's hard to describe, isn't it? That it is hard to describe. If you're not a sports person, you won't get yeah, it. Yeah, it is that moment of just complete and utter unbridled joy. Just, it just, yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah. yeah. It, it, enough. I haven't felt it. Well, I feel it every now and again, but that's enough. That's for another podcast after hours. Um, <laughs> after hours with Dave McRobb. <laughs> yeah, some late night, some yeah. late night regional radio show. Yeah, be- you're, just, be- you're just smoking in the background going, so tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> BBC Gloucestershire or something like that. <laughs> two or two or four. Um, so, so just to kind of finish off then. So we've talked about, we've talked about the sport, you know, the your inspiration there, and the kind of brands and culturally, your the impact of Spain and Barcelona, particularly on you. But what about we've touched on digital, and we've talked about very loosely the kind of the kind of impact that's having on different on different aspects of life. Life, how as as you know, let's take let's take who you work for at the moment. So I'll take Mister Lee. So how has the work you do and the type of business that you are and are becoming being influenced by by this massive and and kind of very wild westian confusing thing called digital yeah it is confusing isn't it it is yeah. um yeah. how well a lot of the work that we well, a lot of the work part of the work that i have to do is digital but it's beyond um websites and apps and stuff as you know that we've got this um 
noodle vending machine kiosk. Um, yeah. And all of that is, is obviously digital based. It's a huge touch screen. Um, so I guess a lot of the work that I'm putting into that is um, there isn't one that exists. So we're kind of we're not to the extent that we're doing it. Um, so a lot of the work that we've done with that is around user journeys, um, um, informational hierarchy, what comes when in the process, um, and things like that. So it, it, it's a bit of a learning curve for us because we're creating something that hasn't really been created before. Um, so what I'm trying to do is, is is keep the part of the brand within that, you know, um, tone of voice, etc. For example, for 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 um, messaging on there, um, keep that within the digital world. But we're really uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's customer journeys. It's not just an interface of purchase. Well, I guess essentially it is, but it's more than that. We want it to be more than that. So um, the split screens going on. So we're looking at, you know, there's eye tracking. Where are people looking at certain times during the vend process? Um, and they're trying to manage the, the content that we want them to see or the prompts that we want them to do thereafter um, yeah. around that as well. So... Yeah, I'm not sure if a lot of my sort of past experience come into that because I'm probably more print-based. So sure. customer journeys and stuff like that—that's that's fine. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not really a digital beast. I just have a go. But then, so many people are, aren't they, these days? I think. Well, yeah. Don't get me started. Um, <laughs> so, so, so before, before, well, it's interesting, right? Because. The, the digital world, as most people listening to this will know, mm. is made up of quite a lot of um, account managers, for start, but quite a lot of, um, not charlatans is too strong a word, but <laughs> people who believe they are experts in a lot of stuff. Snake oil salesman. Yeah. I'm not an expert in anything, right? No. Right, hopefully, and I've told my clients this, so they shouldn't be going, what the fuck? Let's get rid of him. Um, <laughs> I told you I was no good. <laughs> yeah, you can't blame me. Christ, <laughs> says it in my contract, turn the page over. Um, but a journalist, right? So I know bits and bobs about quite a lot of stuff. And I'm old, so I've, I've been through the, the, the churn before. But I think what I've seen, not from my clients, but in, in at certain other times in my career, I have seen... Um, situations where you're right, it's been a little bit snake oily. It's been okay, you need this, you need that, you need that, yeah, need that. Yeah. you don't need a website, you don't need an app, you just need to focus more um, uh, accurately on who your customers are, your audience, or your messaging. Yeah, don't worry about the rest of it. It's, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you see some small businesses, I think, like even the garage over the road from me. On the sign outside of it, it's got like its Twitter handle and stuff like that. And I'm like, really? Just your mechanics. Just You're like, give me an MO2. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, just let it pass again, please. But, but why, why are they even on social? I mean, Facebook, I get. They probably want to be on that bit of promotion and stuff. But I think that we had this whole sort of social media surge uh, a few years back, didn't we? And everyone, you know, my local dentist has got his own Instagram account and stuff like that. <laughs> what is the point? It's it, the relevancy of it. I always say, just because you can doesn't mean you have to. Ah, uh, Jeff Goldblum, huh? Yeah, uh, brilliant. Good old Jeff. Didn't he, he knows his stuff. He does. He knows more than me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like my, my local garage has got a Twitter handle. Why? It's... <laughs> Because someone's probably told them and they've gone, okay, exactly. then, what's Some Twitter? Snake oil salesman. 
went yeah. in there and yeah. said, oh, what you guys, you guys need to be on social media because that's where all the kids are. Yeah. yeah. Are they? Yeah, they're not, they're, kids don't drive cars. No, um, exactly. <laughs> just quickly, going back before we finish off. So, you know, you said about, it's quite interesting, the eye tracking software in the screen is that in the machines or is it just in the test environment because if it's in the machines that's really 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 good um both it's not oh, in nice. the current machine it will be in it going forward so we've used it as a, as a testing the minute what, what it, it will have a camera in it um i don't sure. know this version has got a camera in it which is also able to um, identify age sex race etc uh, etc et so when we put it in a certain area so we can go to contract caterers um, and we can say, for example, the footfall through here was 3,000 people today, um, 1,800 were women you know, uh, this, of this uh, race, etc., etc., which is really invaluable for them because they just know mm. that maybe they sold, I don't know, 800 meals that day. So if there's 3,000 people come in and they've only sold 800 meals, what's happening with the other people? It helps them to maybe, if they know that the... the the audience is 65% male, 65% female. Maybe they can start to use their comms around that and maybe tailor it towards uh, a certain sex, age, race. Um, again, don't don't talk social social media to, to people over the age of 50 because probably not going to be down with it. So, yeah, it's just things like that. So it's learnings. It's learnings for us because we can then use that data to to, to push third-party commercials, infomercials, advertising um, to people in front of the kiosk using it because we've identified roughly who they are. Um, but mm. It's also really helpful for the um, for the for the property that it's on because um, we can feed back to them all, all that data. So um, data is not key, but it's um, it's helpful in those situations. Yeah, I, I, it's it's a for once it's a practical example of if of efficient and effective tracking in inverted commas because mm-hmm. I. I, I I spent quite a lot of my, uh, or had, I did spend quite a lot of my time trying to speak to clients, not the clients I've got now, but clients when I was working agency side saying, yeah. you know, people lie <laughs> when they go through a website. People lie when they complete forms. Yeah. People open and close browsers and click on links and go back and do all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so you tracking all this stuff is great, but you've got to treat it with a pinch of salt. And I suppose when you've actually got, you know, somebody standing in front of a vendor machine, A, your branding's worked and your marketing's worked to an extent because they're standing in front of your vendor machine. Yeah, so far so good. (laughs) And B... (laughs) Done my bit. Yeah, yeah. well, you've done your bit, right? And B, you know, what they're they're buying, where they're looking, are are are, are their eyes going to where you think the best and most effective piece of content will be for them, et cetera, et cetera. That's useful. That's that's valuable tracking yeah. to the extent you can put that straight. You can, you can what, gonna, what you can just turn it straight around, get get the information, turn it straight around and make a change pretty much on the fly, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be able to, to manage that is, I mean, McDonald's do it anyway with their mm. um, stuff. I was speaking to the guy the other day and if, if McDonald's suddenly want to want to push the, 
don't know, chicken burgers or whatever, then that becomes the main feature. I think it's top left on theirs is like their main feature. Um, you know, that they're able to yeah, manipulate yeah. they're able to manipulate that very quickly. Um, at sort of McDonald's HQ, wherever that is. Um, <laughs> we're probably not able to manipulate it that quickly yet, but with with getting some of this data back and, you know, as I'm saying, it's an ongoing thing because we're, we're building it fresh so it doesn't exist. We're able yeah. to say now, okay, maybe uh, we've got the split screen on at the minute. Maybe that's not working or maybe it needs to go two thirds, one third. Or, you know, what this part of the menu needs to come down here because that's where people are looking for it. So, yeah, it is really handy. It's really handy. It's good. Data. It's interesting you say, yeah, data. it's interesting. Data, relevant. It's interesting you say about top left because it's the home page. Everything in the home has the logo in the top left, isn't it? Yeah, Fine. yeah, that's it. Still, left to right, still top to bottom. Yeah, yeah, exactly the same. That's it, mate. I've, I've taken up too much of your time, and undoubtedly we have talked nonsense, which actually <laughs> one of the guys who's on, who gets a newsletter, Mr. David Oliver, said to me, you should call any podcast you do back-to-back nonsense. And when I get Dave on here... With, I will get him to say why why he wanted it called back to back nonsense because it's quite a funny story, but we'll have to redact a few names and that kind of stuff. But um, oh, okay, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's um, brilliant, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you, um, Dave. Thank you. All right, mate. I appreciate that. Thanks very much. No worries, man. Anytime. Hey, so uh, so that's it. I hope you enjoyed it. I always enjoy. Speaking and spending time with James, he is an incredibly intelligent and um, thoughtful human and um, certainly the conversations around Nike and their, uh, I, I, my preconceptions were I'd never really looked at them as a moral and, and ethical organisation before and maybe, maybe there's, well there is, there's, there's a lot of thought and kind of consideration that I've certainly been given since, since I spoke to James around and maybe when companies do become huge, they can start to maybe, if they've got the right leadership, they can maybe start to relax a bit and become a little less concerned with the perception of, of certain individuals, as Nike have done, and, and start to maybe become a little bit truer to their roots. I don't know, but it's certainly something to think about. I hope uh, the uh, football talk didn't uh, put too many of you off. I hope on the other side of the coin you, you, you got something out of the the conversation on Catalonia and the influences that, that 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 the influence of that area on James and certainly I'm I'm I'm, I'm in love with that part of the world and, and um, for those of you who haven't been go go and spend time in that part of the world it's beautiful but I would imagine quite a few of you have been so so that's the first one out of the way um, there'll be some more coming up pretty soon um, I will be badgering you guys who get the newsletter over the next few weeks to get you lined up um, I've got some more coming up like I said pretty soon. Um, there's a newsletter coming out in the, in the next week or so and uh, the podcast next podcast probably in a couple of weeks if you got this far through thank you tell me that you have sent us an email and i'll um, and we'll go for lunch or a coffee or a drink and uh, i can apologize face to face so thanks very much for listening take care of yourselves and i'll speak to you soon cheers <laughs>